Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, if, if you're not standing, if you will, stand with me, please, as we prepare to read the Word of God. Hallelujah. I, I've just got this word this morning I, I, I want to share. <clears throat> Man, we could go on and on and on with a worship. I think you need to give our worship team a, a great big hand. See, the worship team has the responsibility, and it's not an easy job always. They have the responsibility of plowing the ground up so that the Word can fall into it and bring forth fruit. Amen? Somebody said, well, it don't take all that. I don't know. According to the book that winds it all up. They're going around and around the throne of God right now. They didn't start at 6 o'clock either. It's been going on. Somebody said, well, y'all sing them songs and repeat all them courses 20 times and all that. Well, I don't know about that either. But I can tell you this, that according to the book that describes the end, they're going around the throne crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And they do that over and over and over and over again. Why? Because I believe every time they make a trip around the throne, Brother Cito, they recognize something about the one they're worshiping that they didn't see before. Every time they say holy, they recognize there's another aspect that I didn't even see. And I can't help but say holy again. See, somewhere down the line, ladies and gentlemen, God and our worship of Him has got to go beyond our little surroundings. And we've got to recognize that God is so much more magnificent. He is so much bigger, so much greater, so much grander. There is so much more to God. Listen, if you can read the Bible... If you read the Bible, how many of you have ever read a scripture and you come back a few weeks or months later, read that same scripture and get something totally different out of it? Oh, yeah. See, what you're seeing is just a glimpse. You just kind of crack in the door of the awesomeness of God. And you haven't even seen Him yet. 
You haven't even laid eyes on Jesus. You've never seen the scars in his hand. You've never been able to stand before the throne of grace and look upon the Father. But you read the Word, and every time you read the Word, you can get something out of it that you never thought of before. Every time you open the Bible, you see something about God that you have not seen before. That lets me know, ladies and gentlemen, that there's something that Paul said, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. That that awaits you and I on the other side. And you get so excited about all the stuff in the world. Yeah, I'm on a soapbox. I'll get off of it. We get so excited about all this other stuff. I've been watching, y'all. I, I go to these ball games. I sit there and watch, y'all. Then come in church and wonder, why in the world are y'all so loud? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Action. Acts chapter 1. We're going to start reading with verse 4. Amen. Somebody's excited about the word. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus. This is post-resurrection. This is after Jesus has resurrected. He's been walking among and with his disciples for 40 days. He's been with them. They've, they've watched him. They've listened to him. He's taught them. And this is post-resurrection. This is Jesus that was crucified on the cross. Jesus who was beat beyond recognition. Jesus, who had a crown of thorns pressed down on his brow. Jesus, who had a spear stuck in his side. Jesus, who said, Why hast thou forsaken me on the cross? But now, he has resurrected. The Bible says that he walked for 40 days with his disciples after the resurrection. And now, in the book of Acts that we're fixing to read, Jesus is there with his disciples. He's about to depart. But I want you to listen to what he says. He ordered them 
or commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard or you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, even Atmore, Alabama. Amen. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? The King James Version says, Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? This Jesus, some of y'all young preachers, that's a message right there. This Jesus, Brother Pat said, I'm going to download that right now. This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Father, we thank you today. That your word, Father, the, your word says that the world as we know it was framed by the very word of God. So, Father, we thank you that you've already framed this service by your word. We know today that your word is living. It is powerful. We know that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. We know that it cuts to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. We also know that your word reveals God, that there's nothing that is not revealed by your word. So, Father, I thank you today that you're going to cut, you're going to bring healing, you're going to bring revelation, you're going to reveal some things, you're going you're to come into the, to the living room of some people's houses. But, God, that at the end of the day, your word is going to bring life. Your word is going to bring restoration, and we thank you for it in the name of that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Thank you so much for standing. Today is Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost very simply stands for 50. Pentecost is 50, or 50th. Why is it Pentecost today? Because 10 days ago is when we celebrated or remembered that Jesus ascended to the Father. And 10 days later, which is today, is when the birth of the New Testament church took place. The New Testament church was born on 
the day of Pentecost. Jesus planted the seed for the New Testament church by his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. But the church was born when Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so we are here this morning and we know that Holy Spirit has already come. He's not going to come in that manner again, but He has already come. That that was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the, in the book of Joel chapter 2, that in the last days God said, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. God said, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Jesus had planted the seed that would break the chains of bondage and destroy the yoke of sin. But God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He said, your sons and daughters are going to dream dreams. They're going to prophesy. Your old men are going to see visions and all of that. And he said, I'm going to do that in the last days. And that, that uh, prophecy was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. But I want you to notice something about this passage of Scripture, and I'm just going to briefly mention it because I want to move on. I want you to notice that, that Jesus had been walking with His disciples for 40 days. He had been with them. They had witnessed miracles. They had witnessed uh, this resurrected Savior. Somebody said, uh, what would make a man uh, go to the cross and give his life for a man called Jesus? Uh, because they had experienced the resurrected Savior. Because they recognized that the power of death had been defeated. They recognized that Jesus had reached in the grave and pulled out the stinger of death and that death had no power over their lives. That's the reason that you and I need to rejoice and quit worrying and focusing so much on this little life down here. Because listen, there's going to come a day when you and I are going to step out of this life and into another life that will never be taken away. And so Jesus had been walking with them and he had been talking about this promise of the Father and, and all of that. And he talked about John baptizing with water. He said, but, but you are going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from here. But I want you to notice their response. The Bible says that so when they had come together that they asked him, now, just get this in your mind. Standing before them is the man. This Jesus was standing before them that had just, they had witnessed him, bloody body, beaten and battered, lifeless body, being placed in a tomb. They witnessed the fact that, that the tomb became empty. And they recognized when he came to them that, that they, uh, they recognized that he was the one that had been dead, but now he's alive. 
The disciples that were on the road to Emmaus were walking along and and somebody came up behind them and and began to talk to them and and they began to uh, share with them about what had taken place in the city of Jerusalem, how Jesus had been crucified. And and they didn't know that their eyes were closed to who it was that was walking with them. But the Bible says the more they walked, the longer they walked together and the more that they heard uh, this voice of this man that they didn't know. The Bible says that didn't my heart burn within me? Something about this man uh, caused my heart to burn within me. That's the reason that right now there's somebody in this room today that your heart is burning within you. You've tried everything imaginable. You've tried every aspect of religion. You've tried Hinduism and Sikhism and and all the other isms and you thought this is the answer but you're realizing today that that was not the answer because there's something about Jesus that's burning in my spirit. Somebody here this morning, you've tried religion. You've been in church for years and years, perhaps even all of your life. You've been a member of a church, but you've never had relationship with this Jesus. But as you sit here this morning, listening to some leather-long preacher talk about Jesus, something is burning in your heart. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because it's the Word of God. But notice this. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What kind of question is that? You know what? It lets us see that with these that were following him, they still had the wrong idea about Jesus. Because you see, when they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? What they were talking about was an earthly kingdom. And they were still thinking that Jesus had come as the Messiah to do away with Roman control And set up his kingdom on earth. But Jesus was letting them know that the kingdom that I'm talking about is not an earthly kingdom, but it is a spiritual kingdom. Can I share this with you this morning? Thank you so much. If you don't connect with the spiritual kingdom of God, you will never experience it when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must do so in spirit and in truth. Y'all got to cut all that clapping out. I'm having trouble staying on task, all right? That that this Jesus kind of wrecked me there a while ago. Amen. Wow. But Jesus said, and I want you to get this, church. I want you to get this. Jesus was standing there looking at his disciples. These men had followed him for three, a little over three years. They had witnessed miracles, signs, and wonders. 
They had heard his voice. They had heard his teaching and all of this, and they had followed him. And Jesus was about to leave. He was about to go in, back to his father. And, and Jesus told him, and you've heard me say this before, uh, Jesus told him, he commanded them. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. In the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, 49 Jesus again recorded by Luke in the Luke, gospel of Luke. He said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued. And that word endued is, is uh, being clothed upon with the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, or Luke said, the power from on high. And in Luke 24, when he said that, the Bible says that he ascended. He led them out as far as Bethany and he ascended back to the Father. So Jesus in the book of Acts chapter 1, again, reaffirms to his disciples, go to the city of Jerusalem and tarry there until you're endued with power from on high. When he had said those words, the Bible says that gravity lost its hold on the body of Jesus and he began to rise up into the heavens. And the Bible says that when that happened, the disciples left from there and they went to Jerusalem as he had commanded them and they were worshiping and praising God for the next few days. Listen, there is, there is much argument and much debate about the working of Holy Spirit. Pentecostals are referred to as people who believe in and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. That's where we get this title of Pentecostal. Because we operate and believe in the gifts of Holy Spirit. More than likely, we're going to be on this subject for quite a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get to all of it. But I'm just kind of planting some things today. But in all of the debate, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you watch the news, if you've been, if you've not had your head underground and your ears stopped up, you will recognize that our world, our nation, not only our nation, it is worldwide that our world is in a mess. And I've said this before, we have never felt the need for Holy Spirit in all of His fullness like we're going to feel it in the last days. Because you are going to need a power that goes beyond your abilities. You are going to need a power that my daddy used to say, one of these days, I'm going to get to go where that glory is coming from. Jesus talked extensively about the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 14 through uh, chapter 16, Jesus, if you'll look in that, you'll see where it's mostly red letters, if you've got a red letter Bible. You'll see where it's mostly red letters. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, Jesus said this. He said to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you uh, so. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I go, you can be there also. And then he went on down and he said, I just want to let you know that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But then on down in John chapter 14, Jesus begins to talk about the comforter, the parakletos, the one who has been called to come alongside of us. I want to give you just a few reasons this morning of why you need a relationship with the Holy Ghost. Amen. John chapter 14 and verse 16. Let me get there. John chapter 14 and verse 16. Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that this man and I'm in the wrong place. John chapter 14. Give me just a minute. That crazy computer of mine. In John chapter 14, Jesus talked about John, Pastor, not Luke. I knew something was messed up there. John chapter 14. Jesus said this, actually in, in, in uh, verse 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That word another is not a different form or, or something like It is precisely like himself. He said, I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Why do you need Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you these things uh, and try not to preach them. Because you and I need a comforter. We need a, listen, did you save yourself? No. Did you break the bondage of sin from your life by yourself? Did you redeem your life from destruction on your own? No, you didn't. You di it was done because of the grace that was poured out through Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed. He broke the power of sin from over my life. I could not save myself. So if I could not save myself, what what is it that I should think that I can live a life as a Christian by myself? You see, because I've got to have something that is working in me that is greater than myself. 
Because if I deny that that's greater than I am, I will drift back in to a humanistic God that says, I'm God, I don't need these other things. That's what our culture is doing today. You think, they think, begin to think that I'm a God, I don't need that God. Because I'm a God, I can do what I want to do. If it makes me happy, I will do it. That's the reason people can murder babies through abortion uh, clinics and do all these things and not think anything about it because they don't acknowledge that there's a God in heaven. I, I got, I got. Listen, you can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself, sir. I don't care how much you can bench press. There are going to be problems that will come into your life that you will not be able to overcome them. There are going to be things that will attack your family that you will not be able to deal with them by yourself. And at that moment in time, you're going to need one that is outside of yourself, that is greater than who you are, that can come into your life and empower you to walk through those battles. You need that comforter. And then in John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus said, He will abide with you forever. He will abide with you forever. In other words, when you're at your lowest point, He's right there with you. When Daniel was smelling the nasty breath of the lions in the lion's den, Holy Ghost was right there with him. When the three Hebrew children were being thrown into a fiery furnace that would kill even those that were casting them in, they could relax because that fourth man was there. He was already in the fire. You see, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you uh, uh, looking for a mom and a daddy. He said, but I'm going to send you of my spirit of the comforter. And he's going to come. And he's going to walk with you. He's going to abide with you. Wherever you go, you can look around. And he's going to be right there. So I've got this comforter, and I've got this one that will be with me forever. I've had friends that have turned their back on me and walked away. I've had loved ones that would walk away from me and leave me. But Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to give you one son that will never walk away. And then, number three, so number one. The reason I need Holy Spirit is He's a comforter because I can't do it alone. Number two, He will abide with me forever. Number three, He is the Spirit of truth. John chapter 14 and verse 17. Jesus said, even the Spirit of truth, notice this, whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither does it know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Understand this, there is a prerequisite. And I want you to notice something right here. 
And I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to uh, come against anybody's theology, but I want you to notice something right there. Notice what Jesus said. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Let me give you a little nugget right here. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. What the world can receive is salvation. Jesus said the world can't receive what is about to come on the day of Pentecost. He said the reason they can't receive it is because they can't see it. You see, the world is always looking for something with promise. But here's the thing. You've got to go through Calvary. You've got to come under the blood. You've got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Nick, you've got to be born again. He said, you've got to be born again. That's the reason that people will talk about all this stuff, all the homosexuality and all that stuff. And they say, well, that's the way I was born. I'm just operating according to the way I was born. And yes, you are. You are operating according to the way you was born. I did the same thing when I was out in the world. I was a rebellious preacher's kid that hated life, hated people, and, and was into everything you can imagine, and all of that junk, uh, drugs and all of that. But I was operating in the way that I was born because I was born naturally a sinner. But here's the thing. The reason that Jesus said you got to be born again is that you got to be born again to lay down and die to that old natural man so that you can begin to live to what Jesus has called us to live by. You see, that's what sets the Christian apart from everybody else. Is that God takes people that are operating in their natural birth of sin and He says, now I'm going to rebirth you And you will be born again. So that when you're born the second time, what looked good to you the first time won't cut it the second time. Let me move on. The fourth thing is, John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He's a teacher. He will teach you. He will talk to you. He will reveal. He will show you things 
You say, Pastor, I don't know anything about the Word of God. All you need to know about the Word of God is that it's the story of salvation. Give your life to Christ and then let Holy Spirit teach you what He wants you to know. You don't need some man to come and breathe down your neck and beat you over the head with a King James Version Bible to get you to live right. Listen, when you come in contact with Jesus and Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, you will live right. When you get Jesus in your life and Holy Spirit begins to operate, you'll leave your neighbor's husband alone. You'll leave your neighbor's wife alone. You'll quit saying all them nasty words and telling all them dirty jokes. You'll quit going to those places where they do stuff like that. And you'll want to hang around some people that talk about Jesus. And, and you say, oh, yes, pastor, you just got in my living room now. I'm fixing to kick you out. Listen, the problem in our culture today is that we've got churches on every corner of our, our streets. We've got thousands of people that are going to church on every Sunday and they're going there and, and they're singing hymns of grace. They're singing amazing grace and, and they're worshiping and all of that and they're talking about Jesus but somewhere down the line they just got uh, 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 inoculated I think uh, about God because they don't have no relationship. See, it's amazing to me that, that we could, 20 years ago, we could have churches everywhere, people worshiping God everywhere. We could have Brownsville revivals and, and all these other revivals taking place, but yet there's no impact taking place in our cities and in our, in our communities. I just really feel led to, to say this right now if your life doesn't honor the Lord Jesus Christ if the way that you live your life would make you uncomfortable if Jesus was following you around you better check and make sure this Jesus is your Savior. I'm going to move on. I done made half of you mad and all that. Jimbo locked the door out there. The fifth thing that Holy Spirit, the reason I need Holy Spirit, I need Him to teach me. I need Him to show me the Word. I need Him to reveal things to me. But the fifth thing is he will bring things to your remembrance. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they bring you before uh, uh, magistrates and things like that. Don't worry about what you're going to say. He said because it's not you that's talking anyway. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in you. He will remind you. He will bring things to your remembrance and cause you to remember. The sixth thing is found in John chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus talked about that the Comforter, when the Comforter is come, 
that spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he would testify of me. We need, we need testifiers for Jesus. We need people that are going to be testimonies for Christ. And then the seventh thing is that Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. The Bible says in John 16, along about verse 8, Jesus said that he will convict you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict you of sin. If there's no conviction operating in my life, have you ever felt the convicting power of Holy Spirit? It ain't ain't funny. That's some serious stuff. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict you and tell you that what you're doing is not right. When the Holy Spirit begins to pressure you and say, hey, you need to quit talking like that. When the Holy Spirit begins to to tell you, you need to leave that individual alone. Young lady, you, you need to listen to Holy Spirit in your life. When Holy Spirit says, that bow you're looking at, he ain't no good. You need to leave him alone. Listen, you need to dust your feet off and get away from him. Listen, there's a need for a a rebirth of the working of Holy Spirit in our churches and in our midst today. People to get in touch with the power of Holy Spirit that works on the inside of them, that goes beyond their abilities and goes beyond their way of thinking. Listen, the disciples went to Jerusalem. Let me see. Oh, yeah. 11.59. I got a whole minute left. The disciples went to Jerusalem like Jesus said to. They tarried there in the upper room. I want you to look at, listen, Peter. Oh, denying Peter. Denying Jesus. So many messed up people in that group of 120 in the upper room. But they were doing what Jesus had said to them to do. They were in the upper room. The Holy Ghost fell. On the day of Pentecost, the power of God came down. I want to, I want to go back because I, I want to show you something. In, in the book of John chapter 20, Jesus had said to his disciples, he was there and this was, uh, he was talking with his disciples and the Bible says, and it's always been a verse that, that I really had to dig on and try to figure out how does this fit because Jesus was there with his disciples and the Bible says that he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. There wasn't any tongues or anything like that. There wasn't any manifestations that we know of. It was just simply that Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit.
Guys, can you turn uh, Sister Sandy's mic on? Sister Sandy, oh Lord, is he fixing to ask me to sing something? <laughs> I want you to get this picture because I was looking at this the other day and I've never seen it like this before and I just want to share it with you. I've got one minute left, so I'm going to share this with you. Jesus is standing there talking to his disciples. He's been telling them about the coming Holy Spirit, telling them about the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, how he's going to teach them, lead them, guide them, be with them, and all that. And now he's standing there, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the conversation, I can see Jesus that he just stops, Sister Lynette. He just stops. All the disciples are standing there and, and I've always had a problem with that because I couldn't figure out why did he do that? And he said, receive you the Holy Ghost. And they move on. They go on, do something else. The other day I was, I was reading. I'm going to use both mics because I want you to get a double barrel. But the other day as I was reading this, because this idea that when, when a person gets saved, Holy Spirit comes and, and works in their lives, and that's all there is to it. Holy Spirit does come when you get saved. He's the one that reveals Christ to you. He's the one that, that opens it up and, and, and uh, causes us to come to Christ. His convicting power. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. And I've heard people say, well, that was the time that they were inaugurated into the New Testament church. But you don't get saved by being breathed on. You get saved by accepting the blood that was shed. And so the other day as I was reading and studying that, I, I, I turned over to the book of Acts chapter 2. And after the Bible says that the disciples had, had been led and followed Jesus and, and uh, went to the upper room and tarried there and, and all of that, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost that they were all gathered together in one accord in the upper room. Now, mind you, they had never heard uh, anything. All they had heard was the Holy Spirit is coming. The Comforter is coming. We don't know if he's going to come in a truck or a car or if he's going to come dressed in a kingly robe. We don't know. All we know is that Jesus said the Comforter is coming. All I know, Brother Larry, is he told me to go and tarry in this room that the comforter was coming and he would be a friend by me. He would stay with me and abide with me forever. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what he sounds like or anything like that. 
receive you the Holy Ghost. And as I begin to read in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says as they were all gathered there in one accord with one mind and they were praying and all of a sudden, the Bible says that all of a sudden, suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. The wind wasn't the Holy Spirit. But it was bringing in the Holy Spirit. Here's what I think. I think the reason Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20 and said, receive you the Holy Ghost, is he was saying, Peter, I want you to get ready, son. He said, because it's not going to be many days from now, you're going to hear the breath of God, and you're going to know there's something going to come, and you're going to recognize it because you heard the breath of God that was breathed upon you. It is the same breath that was breathed in Genesis chapter 1 when the earth was dark and without form and void. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of God hovered or breathed upon the face of the deep. And when that breath of God came, God spoke. See, because Jesus knew, according to Acts chapter 1, Jesus knew that his disciples were still not getting the picture that he was trying to give them, that they were not seeing through the eyes of the Spirit. They were still looking for an earthly king. And so Jesus was going to great uh, extent to let them know. You're familiar. You're familiar with what it sounds like for the breath of God. Now listen, when I breathe on you, all you're going to get is some bad breath. But when Jesus breathes on you, you're going to get the wind of heaven. So I can't help but think, I can't help but think they're sitting there in the upper room. They probably like Judy. Judy starts praying when she gets in the spirit. She's like this. And if she's praying for you, you like that too. And they were in the upper room, probably Peter, Mary Magdalene, some of them women rocking back and forth praying. Maybe they had been there for several hours, tearing and praying. If somebody over here had started speaking in tongues, 
He said, nah, I don't understand all that. What is all that? Be like some of y'all. You need to get, listen. I am convinced that the Word of God is screaming out. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, does not wisdom cry out in the streets and on the street corners? Wisdom is crying out. Church, it is time for us to begin to seek the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. They're sitting there. And if somebody would have jumped up over there and began to do a two-step dance, shouting and, and hollering and screaming and, and swinging off the chandeliers and all that, they would have said, what's wrong with them? But they're sitting there and they're praying and they're seeking God. And all of a sudden, Peter said, did you hear that? John goes and runs to the window. He said, the wind ain't blowing out there, Peter. And Peter says, I'm paraphrasing. Peter says, Remember a couple weeks ago when we were standing there and we didn't know what he did, but he just he just breathed on us and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And we didn't have no idea what he was talking about. Come on, Brother Darrell. Blow, blow, brother. I don't understand it, guys. I don't know. I could be wrong. But that wind that I'm hearing sounds a lot like that breath that came out of the mouth of Jesus a couple weeks ago. I'm not really sure about it, but there's something I believe that's connected to that. And all of a sudden, that wind got to the point to where you could not deny the fact that it was coming from somewhere besides the north corner of the earth. It was a sound from heaven. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Thank you, brother. Stand up with me, please. It filled the house where they were sitting. Jesus. Come on, worship team. Listen, you might say, Pastor, I got to get to the Chinese restaurant before the buffet closes. <laughs> well, if you think you need to do that, go on and do it. But do it very quietly and do it very respectfully because this is a divine moment with God. 
There's an old song that, that they used to sing. It says, talks about, I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it's closer now than it's ever been. Listen, God never does anything, ladies and gentlemen, that he does not lay the path before it. He makes sure that you understand exactly. Now catch this. Guys, y'all go ahead and get you a song, whatever you're going to sing, and start. Catch this. Peter, James, and John. Remember James and John? <clears throat> they wanted to be seated on the right hand, you know. They wanted those seats of authority with Jesus. I'm telling you, there were some messed up folks in the upper room. Jesus, Jesus is always majoring on messed up folks. Oh, but I want you to catch this, guys. Here's the, here's the eighth reason that you need Holy Ghost. Peter, James, and John, and all of those that were in the upper room, many of them had been delivered from demonic possession. Devils had been cast out of them. They had followed Christ and ministered to Christ. They were born again under the, new, the covenant of the blood. But they went in because they were still not able to do what God wanted them to do on their own. The church has never been able to do it by itself. And she never will. But the sound from heaven came and filled the place. They began to speak in an unknown language to them. They began to worship and magnify God like they had never done before. Everybody standing around downstairs said, man, these people are drunk. They've been drinking. Peter steps up. He says, guys, I want you to know these men are not drunk with wine, as you suppose, being it's just the third hour of the day. But this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel that would happen in the last days. Now here's the thing. They came out of the upper room and they set the world on fire for Jesus. Because they came out of the upper room, Destin. They had something on the inside of them that took them beyond a fisherman's mentality, that took them beyond a tax collector's thoughts, and it took them to a place 
to where Peter could preach a message after the day of Pentecost that would bring people to their knees and they would be so convicted that 3,000 plus souls came to Jesus. You need a revolution in your ministry? Then get in touch with Holy Spirit. You need a move of God in your marriage? Then sir or ma'am, get on your face before God and say, God, we're tired of the, of the religion. We're tired of the show. We're tired of the artificial. God, I need a move of God. Listen, if you need God to work in your life, friend, I'm telling you this morning, there's more to it than going to church on Sunday morning and listening to a three-part sermon and leaving out of that church in the same mess that you got there with. The God that I'm talking about will radically, radically change your life. The God that I'm talking about is the one that will take an old man that is worth nothing, that can't read or write, and put him in a pulpit that he can read the Word of God better than I can. The God that I'm talking about is the God that will pull a man off the streets from dealing in drugs and put him in the house of God talking about Jesus. The God that I'm talking about is one that will take a good old boy or a good old girl and bring them out and deliver their lives and make them a new creature in Christ. Man, i got to hush. Come on, go ahead. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. You say, Pastor, if Holy Spirit radically changed their lives and oh I wish I had time to give you my testimony this morning about how God called me and 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 did such a work in my life through the working of Holy Spirit that's the reason that I'm so passionate about the Holy Spirit because I know what he did in me but we'll do that another day but you say pastor if God could do that for them. I've been told all my life He doesn't do that anymore. Not to be disrespectful, but you've been lied to. Because God is the same God as He was yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you need God to do a work in your life, first of all, you've got to be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never been born again, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then this altar's open. As they begin to sing, I want you to, listen, I believe there's somebody in here this morning, you need to run to this altar. You need to run down here to this altar. Because God loves you. And you've not gone too far that He can't reach down and pull you out.